0: Okay, welcome back to another episode of a Limited Upside Podcast. We had a great show today. Tim Cato of SB Nation MBA. You know and love him because you've heard him on our podcast before. Well, he joined us. Mike and I were in studio together. It's the nighttime when we were recording, so we were able to pop right on into our beautiful new studios at Vox Media's beautiful new New York office. And it was fun to record together in person. I haven't seen Mike in forever. But before we get to the podcast where we talk mostly about Cool things that the Mavericks have been doing, Dirk's 30,000 points, the MVP race, and a little bit about how we define what the MVP is, why don't you go and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Go find us. Uh, we appreciate those reviews. We appreciate those ratings. We're getting more and more of them, and those are great, so keep them coming. Uh, as always, you can send us questions. Uh, those questions can go to an email. That's Mike's email. That's MikePreda at SBNation.com, or you can find us on Twitter at sbn at limited underscore Upside or at Epiben. Those are our Twitter handles. You know, send us some love or send us some hate. We do a lot of dumb stuff on this podcast, and uh, we hope you like it. So, Sit back and enjoy the limited upside podcast. Okay, and we are back with another episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. Mike and I are in studio together this evening, which hey, is cool. Ben. Hey, Mike. I could see you. And uh, on the line, because he's not in studio with us, he's somewhere in Texas, I think, is Tim Cato. Tim joins us uh, all the time, so we're always pumped to have Tim on. Tim, how you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing good. I can't believe you guys didn't fly me out, though. <laughs> I'm I don't know. sorry. Next time. You should ask. <laughs> your, you
2: really shouldn't complain. You you have been on a trip, so oh, you I can't haven't. now Maybe. complain about taking another trip.
1: I am I am sitting in my room for the first time since uh, it's been five days, six days. So Ooh. I'm I'm grateful for this. Yes.
0: Well, we want to get into this trip because it's pertinent to this conversation. So I feel like the three of us wanted to talk about a couple things on this podcast, and we'll get to all of them. Uh, first was the MVP race sort of the idea of the MVP not necessarily the race itself but we'll get into the existential concept of a most valuable player okay so that's one then we'll talk about the game that you were at a little bit maybe the Spurs persuasion of the Spurs Rockets game from earlier this week and we should say we're recording this on uh, the evening of March 9th and then after that so we're gonna miss the Thunder Spurs game from that's right that's right Thunder Spurs are playing later this evening so that's not gonna be a part of this conversation and then after that, we uh, we got to get your thoughts, Tim, on the uh, hottest team in the NBA, the Dallas Mavericks, who are your near and dear sports fandom team. So let's start with that idea of the MVP race, Tim. You you said they have, you had some thoughts on the um, kind of the existential aspect of what the most valuable player is. Can you tell us what that means. I mean,
1: yeah. What is an MVP? But
0: that <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> People are now getting to these semantic arguments about what the MVP is, but this is kind of what the league wants
0: us to do, right?
1: I think so. I, I, would, I would say so.
0: Yeah. So let's just continue to have the conversation because then basically all you're doing is highlighting the best players, talking about the, the, the most coveted aspects of the league, which are its best scorers, its best defenders. I want to ask you, Mike because you have a very particular way of, of telling me who's good and who's bad. <laughs> I got a lot of players who I think are good, and then who you're like, yeah, but they don't do X, Y, and Z. So I want to start with the the uh, flavor of the week in the MVP discussion. All year long, Westbrook and Harden have been putting up incredible numbers, but all year long, so has Kawhi. Mm-hmm. And there's another component to the game that I think Tim got to see up close and personal, and Tim, will let you come in on the uh, back end of Prada here. Mike, tell me why... Kawhi Leonard should actually be the MVP of the NBA this season. Oh, you're assuming I
2: believe this? Yeah, I think you do. Uh, I don't think I do, actually. Oh, okay. Um, But uh, the case for Kawhi is simply that he's the best defender of the group. (laughs) He plays on the best team. They have only one (laughs) all-star. And he's putting up great scoring numbers. If you watch him play, it's sort of funny how San Antonio, you think of them, I, I think back to that Rockets game, and I wonder if Tim agrees with me. It felt like the Rockets were more put together, had a better plan, had more ways to beat you and more sort of of a framework for how they're going to win the game. And the Spurs had the one dude that sort of owned it. <laughs> and that's not how we usually think about the Spurs. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know if you felt the same way to you, but it felt like, you know, without Kawhi's superhuman effort on, you know, once from the moment he's checked Harden some way in the third quarter – like, they don't have a chance. They they felt like the underdog in that game. And I, I don't think it's because of a lack of talent. I think it's because of an infrastructure that doesn't – they're not as flowing as they used to be. They've got weak spots. I mean, Houston was not guarding Tony Parker in that game. Houston was attacking Pau Gasol when he was in the game. And they have they – were, they were really mean to Martin, Lamarcus Aldridge. So – but – San Antonio had the best guy in the court, yeah. and that was what mattered. I don't recall ever thinking that about a San Antonio game in the past few years. Only recently,
1: yeah they they uh, they ramped up, and it was you know it was it was Harden who I, I was watching the first half, and it's like wow, I might write something about how Harden is is establishing himself in the MVP race. And then it was Kawhi in the second half, and it, it I agree that you know you don't usually see. Um, you know, it's you. You can always look at San Antonio, even when they have individual performances, you know, outstanding. You know, when Tim Duncan would go off, or or Manu Ginobili, or or Parker, whoever it was, you can still look at the Spurs and be like, wow, what a team! You know, and and he's this this player. You know, most usually Duncan, um, but you know, Duncan is the guy. But you know, it's just it's he's part of the team. He he fits so well. You know, they they've just got a team constructed around him. And it would always go back to that. And that's probably in part the cliche we've built up about San Antonio but you know they and they are in large part actually that and and I agree that they they looked a little bit different but it was um it was something watching that second half you know it was just every 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 time you know he just kept answering and kept answering and um that that third quarter especially it it felt like it felt like Houston was a was in a drought and then it felt like they they'd they turn it on they'd figure it out you it felt like you know it was just a matter of time until they got bit back into it and uh that just never really happened for them it was it was uh you know a steady incline for for the for the spurs uh and and their their ability uh and, and to just push it put, bring it out uh bring it out houston
0: yeah yeah it's crazy he had 39 i'm sorry uh yeah, he had 39 points. Kawhi did in that game, which was the exact same amount of points uh, that Harden had. Isn't uh, that a career high for him? Like, what? Was yeah, it he, he true only that had like over 30 twice in his career prior to this. Yeah, the season? something wild like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not exactly. Don't quote either of us on that, but it was something that basically was indicative of that he was never taking many shots and he was never trying to be the the dominant scorer. But this game specifically, I mean, he was 12 of 18 from the field, four of five from three point land, and 11 of 11 from the free throw line. With six rebounds, five assists, two blocks. Obviously one of those blocks was the game winner, uh, and thirty nine points. So that that's specifically significant because like Mike said, you got nineteen from Tony Parker and fifteen from Aldridge in that game. But you got zero points from the big you know, from Deadman. You got five points from Green, you know, and no one else had it even in double digits. So it's not your standard, you know, by committee Spurs no. team and it, it is sort of a by committee Rockets team with obviously your superstar at the top, but they expect to have someone else get them 20 every game with Harden, whoever that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to see in the second half, whoever that may be in this circumstance was having Kawhi follow them or, 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 or hawk them, right. if you will. Yeah. And that's it.
1: 39 points is the second most he scored. He had 41 against the Cavaliers. Uh, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, that's
2: that Saturday in ABC. Yeah, game, of course. Right. Um, yep. Yep. Tell me if I'm off base here and, you know, pop, Did an interview today where he kind of poo-pooed the MVP race (laughs) as he usually does. He was compared to like the prom king. Uh, But it struck me like reading your piece where you talked about this MVP moment. A lot of the Spurs were kind of stumping for him Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't remember Spurs players – stumping for one of their own for the MVP for a regular season. I mean, you had what Pau Gasol said. You had Pop subtweet about how the other MVP candidates don't play both ends of the floor. And <laughs> you, know, you had what Manu said. Uh, you had what Danny Green said to you. It It was odd to see the Spurs advocate for one of their own to win a regular season award.
1: And it, it was it was kind of against what Pop said too, in, in the sense that even after the game, he said, you know, I don't I don't talk about the MVP stuff. That's that stuff doesn't matter. Matter, and usually that's the approach that the players take. You know, they they follow orders from the top, uh, so to say. You know, that's the mentality they have, and and they didn't. Notably, they did not, even as Popovich was still kind of the in in the same way, in the same vein.
2: It was just bizarre to me. I don't remember the Spurs ever acting like that. I wonder, uh, is that have something to do with, in your mind, what Ka- Kawhi is? Does that have to do with um, how they realize now that the MVP as an institution is something they need to actually care about to buy into the interests of the league? Like there almost seemed something, you know, because the Spurs for years, they what they've been said about them is that they, they kind of go about their business quietly as the rest of the league kind of promotes the league around mm-hmm. them. And they sort of get to take the – Take the pizza without having to pay for it, but it has struck me over the. They've definitely opened up over the last couple that, of years.
0: Is that a like a, is that a term? Take the pizza without having to pay for it.
2: <laughs> you know, you, you know, where you take a slice and you don't pay for the pizza. You're <laughs> it's, mooching. Spend
1: it's and ben, can we just be thankful we didn't get a uh, kawaii? Yeah, uh, butcher that.
2: There is still plenty of time for me to <laughs> unleash. Oh.
1: That. <laughs> yeah, that that might be an edit. Um, quietly. Um quietly going yes.
0: about their business yeah mm. just well, now like- they're
2: not they're doing it loudly <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay anyhow back to the pizza analogy. sorry go ahead Mike.
2: yeah i just i just wonder if the is this like a collective understanding that the spurs now have to help play up this mvp narrative a mm-hmm. little bit um, because they had MVP-caliber players. like I, Maybe I'm wrong, but I do not recall them acting like this for Tim Duncan. I
0: don't have as good of a memory on either of Duncan's MVPs uh, as to how that was being promoted. There also weren't nearly as many uh, vehicles or engines to promote, uh, which obviously with social media and the interactivity or interconnectivity of uh, fan bases to their promotion of their players. But I want to throw something at you, Tim. I feel like if you're the Spurs and you're the teammates of Kawhi, and you're fully aware of this guy's potential, which no one in the world has seen yet, and that we continue to see bits and pieces of, as you know, as last night's or two nights ago's game showed, the Cavaliers Saturday night game. Um, maybe part of it is like. The teammates see this guy, and they're like, "Hell, if we keep promoting him and pushing him up, he's going to eventually see himself in the light that we need him to." And then eventually, that's all we need to win a championship. Yeah, maybe that could be this year. I don't know, but you tell me what you think about the idea that the the team sees and Pop sees this greatness, and only it's only a matter of time until Kawhi embraces that too.
1: That that could be it. And in, in fact, um, in my piece, I, I wrote about this, and I you know after the game, a lot of people were talking about how they they do see Kawhi as someone who hasn't always been totally confident in himself as a, as a superstar. And, you know, it's, it's been a little bit, you know, he, he doesn't want to embrace the spotlight, but, you know, obviously that's what they're asking him to do now. Um, you know, at least when he's on the court and, you know, he can, he can do his best to, to, you know, fade back into the, to the dark corners and, and not do any publicity afterwards. But, you know, they, they, they want him to embrace that superstardom on the court and that, you know, that That comes with some inherent flashiness, and you know, just just you know, just people being focused on you, and and that's not something that he's always been comfortable with. So, um, I, I could see I could see that you know, just always if there's a, if there's a dedicated push to you know making him feel confident that he is you know their star, he is he is their guy they look to. In these situations, you know that would naturally spill over to the MVP discussion. Yeah,
2: that, that's a good theory because I remember Pop has gone out of his way to effusively praise Kawhi for mm-hmm. years. Yep, you know, so I think that is a good theory. That it is it is ultimately a confidence booster for him. That that makes a lot more sense in my crack theory about yeah. them trying to contribute yeah. to the league. But it's something. It's just interesting. I, I can't recall there ever being like, oh, Tim Duncan's MVP moment, right. kind of you know narratives flying you know i wonder i mean he plays westbrook in this you know game that's recording after press time he had the harden one i mean it was i thought it was fascinating that there was that was
0: the dominant theme out of that game right well so i wanted to get your impressions of that too because we just mentioned harden and i got to see harden play live this year uh it was a different type of impressive. He has a mastery of of space, and without having to go fast, it's like it's like if Andre Miller ended up being six six and left handed. The way he moves around the court, it's so methodical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's unbelievably impressive how he sets up his teammates too. And he had thirty nine. 12 assists uh, in that game. He did have seven turnovers. Part of that was the defense being played on him. Yeah.
2: He also set – he's already broken his record, his NBA record for turnovers in the season. Has he? Yeah.
1: Wow. That happened this week. With with 19 games to go, 18, something like that. Yeah. He already broke it.
0: I mean, but part, part of it is the ball is in his hands. This is what I wanted to ask you. The ball is in his hands the entire game. He's either right. scoring or making the assist on the play. What were your impressions of, uh, of seeing Harden? I don't know if you've seen him in person this season yet or if you have, but what did you think about the game that he played? And then tell me uh, ultimately at the end of this conversation between Harden and Kawhi, who has your nod? And then we'll get Mike's opinion, and then we'll bring in that third-party guy, whatever his name is, Russell Westbrook, uh, into yeah. the conversation. Don't
2: forget the fourth party, LeBron James.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, fourth party. He's old news. Never heard of him before. <laughs> Uh, and obviously, he could compete for this too. So, so give me your breakdown on on Harden, and then uh, and then tell me maybe give me your holistic MVP picture.
2: Holistic MVP picture.
0: Yeah,
1: those are good words. I um, love that word. Holistic. Yeah, <laughs> love it. It's a very uh, it's a very hinky word. Sam hinky word.
0: <laughs> I gotta have a re- uh, a view of the entire room. You know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I I uh, I I love Harden. I I think that. At, um, what he's doing, and and just the the quantity that he's uh, making that offense tick, and the way that like I don't, I don't know how many other players, you know, you can say that, and I I mean I guess the other two or the other two or three are the ones in the MVP race, of course, but you know they they don't have a second best player. They have they have Harden, and then they have people around him, and it's just he he makes everything tick. Um, I, I I would probably lean with him still for for MB, mvp myself um but I'm, I'm just grateful uh if i can yell briefly about the 2005 mvp race Go for it.
0: the floor is yours yes
1: ah, wonderful wonderful um steve nash won he was averaging 15 points and 11.5 assists
2: yeah <laughs> i mean he did also engineer like a he did uh, he what did. was how many game turnaround did he engineer it was I'm, it I'm was doing something like
1: right now It was like twenty-seven or or thirty games. Thirty-three
2: game turnaround.
1: Thirty-three games that he he improved them. So, so clearly that's telling. But once again, someone who is averaging a triple double, or someone who is averaging twenty-eight and twelve, or someone who is the first defensive player of the year, if he does win it to to score more than twenty-five points per game, uh, two of those three people are really. I believe that's the style. Didn't MJ
2: win one? Didn't Jordan um, win Defensive Player of the Year? Maybe not. I don't know.
1: He might, I Keep think going. I'll maybe, look it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe that's the stack. Okay, right? so that the second,
2: p- the second player,
1: perhaps, <laughs> perhaps that that might be it. Um, but yeah, two of those three players are not going to, you know, win MVP. And I understand the value of saying, you know, of signing, of assigning the best player each season. Like I get where it comes from, of course. Um, but it's just weird because they honestly can vary, and clearly this year is. You know, there's as high, maybe as high as the MVP race has ever gone. Uh, that's probably me being ignorant of history. But it's certainly one of the top ones, you know, of all time. It has to be. Um, where Whereas, you know, there's Nash. There was, you know, nobody else stood out in 2005. There's Shaq, uh, who averaged 23 Toby. points and shot 60%, you know, 23 and 10. He came in second place. Uh, I'm going okay. to stump for Dirk, of course. I thought he should have won. Uh,
2: Kevin Garnett was in the race, but they didn't. Kevin even the Garnett, playoffs. yeah, Kevin
1: Garnett had the most uh, win shares that year. Didn't
2: Kobe average like thirty six in two thousand five? No, that's the year after.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. That
2: year he was injured. Oh, okay. okay. Dirk,
1: yeah. Dirk ended up with almost sixteen win shares, and uh, Kevin Garnett had just over sixteen. I I still say Dirk should have won that year with with averages of twenty six and ten, and 3-1 one, and one. But, but, oh well.
0: well. We'll save the Dirk appreciation for the end of the podcast. Yes. Don't worry. We're, we're going <laughs> to yeah. save some time for Mr. Oh, 30,000. I'm,
1: I'm, just, I'm just mad about 20, 20, 2005 again. So. The irony we'll, is uh,
0: that Dirk probably isn't mad at all. He's probably like, oh was, no, uh, I don't was, know. It was fine. Things, yeah. were, uh, things were pretty good. Uh, also, Jordan won the 87 uh, 88 season Defensive Player of the Year.
2: Ah, in your face, Tim. But still, <laughs> I like the, stat. I like the um, stat. Don't you think that this year's MVP race, like who you prefer, says something about you? <laughs> like in one of those, like really, um, you know, that's sort of why I find this race so interesting, and also why I'm sort of tired of like the, well, let's define this award a little bit more clearly. Like, yeah. should it be like, why it's just the story of the year? Like, how can you not give it to Westbrook triple doubles? Right. Like, if you stump for Kawhi, you're the kind of person that uh, just appreciates both ends and is all about the basketball if you stump for Harden, i think you're you're appreciating what i think has been the best story of the year the rockets um i would say if you stump for westbrook you're just there's some sort of raw energy that um you feel watching him it says something about you know you almost like it's for the the basketball fan who isn't the overthinker um because everything about westbrook is on the table. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm saying that as if there's value in that. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. saying that, like, oh, it's the person who doesn't want to think votes Westbrook. And then you have even someone like LeBron is sort of the old head favorite, which is like, how can you not give it to him? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a big, that's a good, that's a good way to look at this, Mike. Um, like, let me ask you both. If LeBron were on the Nets, all things equal on the Nets right now, but LeBron's on their team, are they the, are they the favorites to win the Eastern Conference? No, but they'll make the playoffs. And they would have a great chance at winning the Eastern Conference. Straight up. Yeah, I mean— Because LeBron's on their team. Probably. I mean, he took basically the same Cleveland team that the next year was the worst team in the NBA a decade ago to the finals, left. I mean— What was that? I mean, Brooklyn doesn't have Kyrie Irving. No, no, I'm saying the team that lost to the Spurs that was swept by them in 2007— Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. a different Eastern Conference. For though. sure, different Eastern Conference. Yeah, it's it, it funny any- how LeBron is being overlooked. I mean,
2: he right. has, I believe, his best uh, shooting year, his best rebounding and assist year. Um, He's having a great season. But, I mean, the other thing that I don't like, though, is, like, the whole, well, they're all having great years. You can't go wrong picking one of them. Like, you know, at a certain point, the year is dominated by someone or some story that you're going to remember yeah. it by. Well, this
0: the, the irony is, is that the story... Is that stats are out of control right now? Everything is like yeah. the uber version of what they can be. Like we wanted to see if Westbrook could go for a triple double a game. He's averaging that, but not just that. He's scoring thirty a game and averaging a triple double. He wanted fifty eight the other night. Yeah, he had 50, 58, Was it fifty nine? Fifty eight, and they lost. Had, and it was a bad fifty eight. I'm going to say it because I I know Zito called me a hater, but like, and you know that I'm the biggest Westbrook supporter. Mm-hmm. But he had a horrible last two minutes. He missed two of the most easy accessible shots he had the entire game which were just free throws that he overextended kind of made an awkward two jump uh, too high of a jump on his jump shot and made that quick release three that was a terrible shot so you got to see like the full spectrum of good Westbrook bad Westbrook in one game and that same Westbrook was the same Westbrook that took over the Utah game the week before and it worked out well and they won you kind of live by the rust die by the rust the thing that we are seeing now though is that Well, that in spurts can be really damaging for Oklahoma City. They look horrible right now. They're on a free fall just after they were on the best win streak they've had all season. So it's like that team goes as he goes, which is the same thing that happens with Houston and is similar with the Cavs, but that's the one difference. I'd argue
2: the Spurs too, to be honest. Do do the Spurs go as Kawhi goes? I I don't know if Tim agrees, but that to me was the message of what I've seen them recently. I mean, okay. look, they beat the Kings at home without Kawhi and yeah. Marcus Aldridge, like, big deal. But that's what's striking about Santoni San when you watch them is that it is much more of a one-man show mm-hmm. there, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Uh, to me, that game, it, it didn't necessarily win him the award, but it, it won him the narrative. It He he grabbed the narrative of the MVP race back. And to me, that's that was my biggest takeaway from, from that game.
2: Yeah. Well, real quick, what do you think about that? Like, the whole... MVP moments type of thing. I think, on the one hand, like, it's all so silly. Like, why would the MVP be decided by a seven-second sequence, right? Right. But on the other hand, like, that is it is ultimately how we remember the regular season. Like, that's why the award has power that I don't think people appreciate. Like, it it is the time capsule of the season.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if we're if we're getting existential, then, uh, (laughs) you know, it it shows our flaws as humans because, you know, we're always going to (laughs) be influenced by by uh, by recency and and by by moments that stick out by this, because, you know, the the second half, you know, the the post all star break showing for a player is always going to matter more than what he did the first 50 games. You know, that's it's just going to it's just has more weight. And there's, I mean, there, I don't think there's anything we can ever do about that. That's just how we kind of operate and how we view things.
0: That's why Buddy Heald was picked like uh, in the top uh, 10 last year because he had exactly. a great tournament and it was the most recent thing on the tips of our tongues. Lonzo Ball will likely end up being, I'm sure you guys are on the same wavelength I am, number one pick because he has oh, a, so? a month long showcase ahead of him. that's going to be on national television and the other two top point guards won't be playing in the NCAA tournament. Which, by the way, was a huge knock on Ben Simmons last year. Anyone could take that and stuff it, all right? <laughs> Young kids miss the tournament. It happens sometimes. Yeah. I get, you know, LSU It's funny how, It's funny on. how those two guys aren't taking the
2: same amount of crap for missing the tournament. Even close this. to it. But, and
0: I like, mean, LSU had a better team, right? I mean, sure, but that's still NC State. They have plenty of top players, right. and that's still Washington. They have plenty of good players, too. It's not like they're coming from, like, Indiana State. This isn't Larry Bird. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so I do think the idea of moments, though, and, Tim, you nailed, it, the human condition like we are now uh, uh predisposed as a culture to to f- have things packaged for us to have things in marketable packaged simplistic means and that means that that can be a 15 second snapchat that can be the idea of 140 characters but the idea that we need to be able to look at these players and have something that's synonymous there's westbrook's uh, voracious is that the right word voracious yeah dunks you have uh his commercials ferocious. which are hilarious Ferocious. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah, ferocious. Yeah. They kind of both work. They both work. Okay. Uh, that's why I have an editor here sitting across from me, Tim. But uh, and so you have the idea that like Westbrook's on, on television uh, and then you have Harden, who is incredibly marketable, television, uh, big shoe deals, um, the beard itself. LeBron James speaks for himself. He's a brand into his own, uh, into himself. And then you have, um, have Kawhi. The he basketball's needed, favorite. Yeah, he needed to have his packaged moment. And a seven-second clip that shows you hitting a game-winning three and then pinning James Harden's shot is a great way to say, hey, everybody, in case you haven't been paying attention, there's this guy in San Antonio, and he does that on one end, and he does that on the other end. And he's been doing that all season. Yeah. It's almost like they've got an Oscars package,
2: like, yeah. you know, where they best they supporting it up and they yeah. show the clip of, of their season, the clip of the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't it feel like everybody is just like whatever whoever wins they're yeah. all great this year like there's no i remember when there's some mvp races where everybody was at each other's throat like right. the Derek rose year for example um but here it's like i don't know like i don't see as much fighting over either guy i wonder if some of it has to do with now that we can more easily understand the moments that sort of Hit us with yeah. these players, and they're all spectacular. Yeah, we have more of a more of a culture of that. I wonder if that's it, or if I wonder if we're just like kind of. It's the same thing too with when Durant left uh, to go to Golden State. There wasn't nearly as much backlash to him as LeBron was. There was yeah. for LeBron. I, I wonder if there's something about the way that sports writing or
0: sports media or just fan bases have evolved to the right. point. I have we a look at this thoughts. differently. Couple thoughts on that. Um, number one, LeBron is and was at the time and still is a international brand. Kevin Durant is a international superstar basketball player, but he is not an international brand. And he was playing in Oklahoma City and I'm sure that there was plenty of vitriol coming from the Midwest and the surrounding areas who are big fans of Oklahoma City, and maybe even some people in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle who were upset about You know, uh, ironically, Kevin Durant leaving uh, Oklahoma City. Um, But that being said, like we got the reverberations of the entire basketball and greater sports world when it came to LeBron because he's that significant. Um, What he does matters. We don't know that much about Kevin Durant mostly because Kevin Durant's liked it that way. He's liked the— and well, now enemy. he's trying to open up a lot more. I think. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Right. So, and that's part of it. The other part was that Durant, uh, um, I think, in a lot of ways, had bought that good faith by being a nice, quiet, well-liked guy, and LeBron was already polarizing. I mean, he was a, he was a, a for sure a polarizing figure before he left Cleveland and became more so when he joined Miami. As for the MVPs, I think a big part of this is access to information— we're seeing historic numbers being put up all around by all four of these guys. Um, the best season LeBron's had uh, for you know, and he's probably the best player of our generation. Not probably he he is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then you have Kawhi who is emerging into that next you know great two way player in NBA history. Next and you Kobe,
2: s- what's up? He's the next Kobe. I'm going to keep beating this drum.
0: You can go for that, but he's won back to back Defensive Players of the year. He's going for his third in a row now. And Kobe a was MVP. once upon
2: a time a great defensive player. He was.
0: He was. That's true. And uh, and he does have a similar jump shot. That straight line jump shot. It's true. And Tim, am I off base there? Um, but I can see it. Yeah. So because yeah, so, Spurs uh, fans hate me whenever I say that. That's just because they hate Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an ultimate compliment to be compared to Kobe. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's that. And then with Russell, yeah. You know, look, the idea of a triple double. And Oscar Robertson's season. And Big O finished third in MVP voting yeah. his triple-double season. Mm-hmm. With a same similar quality team. Like, yeah.
2: They won about the same number of That's games right. that the Thunder
0: will. And Wilt, who's going to be more akin to your, I don't know. I guess Wilt's probably also Russ in this equation. He averaged over 50 a game that year and got second. He averaged 50 and 26 mm-hmm. or something to that effect. Uh, and got second in MVP voting because the guy who had the best team, Bill Russell, won that year. So if team matters like it usually does and maybe the Spurs end up winning the Western Conference uh, regular season I think Kawhi is going to get it over the other two Western Conference guys who uh, are having historically good offensive seasons. I I think I know Alex Rubenstein's been sending me these consistently throughout the year because preseason he had said that Harden will be the first player to average over 30 and lead the NBA in assists since
2: Tiny Archibald Archibald.
0: and he's well on his way now
2: I mean, he's not going to because of Russ, but
0: yeah, yeah, no. no, I know, right, right. Yes, that's right, that's right. Uh, Russ also. I think so,
2: Harden's going to win. I think it's. I think story of the year never fails. Ha- is Harden story of the year? If I Russ think the Rockets is the triple story double? of the year. Do you? I mean, do you think to, to to Tim? I think the Rockets are like the the story of the year in the NBA this year.
1: I think that you know, at least of the voter right now, I think we're we're going to see a more. I think we're going to see more votes for more people. I, I think all. I think LeBron will get votes like like multiple votes from from people and obviously all three of those so I, I think i'm very interested to see how the voting pans out i mean i i don't i have no i have no clue honestly but i, I do think it's gonna I, I do think it's gonna be very varied
0: well i'd be all for any of those guys getting the uh the mvp but and we did kind of touch on just now the the game That you were at, I want to get into what is most near and dear to you, uh, Tim. And that is uh, the hottest team in the NBA right now as we speak the Dallas Mavericks. We know that uh, I think the first time you came on this podcast, I believe you were still uh, exclusively a Mavericks uh, writer for us here. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, and now, of course, you're a national a national NBA presence for SB Nation. But with that in <laughs> mind, I'm sure the other night when Dirk got his thirty thousandth point meant a little bit extra to you. Talk me through that night. Tell me your emotions. Tell me what you think about this team right now.
1: Yeah, I wasn't there unfortunately uh, with with the uh, with this Houston trip that had been pre-planned, but. Um I watched watched it uh watched it with a friend who uh who actually used to write for, for Mavs Moneyball, so it had a nice little nostalgic throwback yeah. and, and was, was fitting. Um you know, thirty thirty thousand is a lot. I, I, I think I, I tweeted this, you know, do you have thirty thousand of anything? And <laughs> that ended up being a it, it actually turned very smallly smallly. Here I am with the... Oh, God. With the, <laughs> oh, well, it's
2: not Bigly. <laughs>
1: it's not Bigly. Um, it, it, uh, it, it went semi-viral uh, around Twitter in the sense that I got several hundred responses from it. Um, but really, all I was trying to do was illustrate that, you know, just put in perspective how many points that is. And, you know, he has is, he is done something that only five other people have done, which is mind-blowing to me still. When when I think about that. So, you know, um, I was I wasn't emotional. What what ended up happening is I I was watching some YouTube. I made a Dirk YouTube dive, I think, the next day for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And uh, that that was more emotional than watching him break it for me, because I'm just like, like, this is this is a dude I've watched for as long as I have. You know, and all these all these moments are so and so important to me or have meant so much to me and uh you know now he's you know now he's he's validated it even even more with his success and and what he's done you know with his with his career since since uh since i I mean i guess guess just since the championship but you know just his career as a whole it's just i don't know it's it's hard it's just just proud of him just proud of that dude (laughs) when
2: when did the tides start to turn back in dirk's favor because there was a time where um you know years and years ago where I mean, was it as simple as he won a title and now everybody loved him, or was there some other stuff that that came into play? Uh, you know, wh- when did the tide in your mind kind of really start to turn back in his favor? Two two
1: thousand eleven is when it became you know kosher that you you had to like Dirk and why <laughs> wouldn't you? But but you know, by by two thousand eleven was was definitely when you know he he became a. Uh, in a uh, american basketball hero and, and staple and and beloved by every single person <laughs> uh but but you know he got a lot of he got a lot of criticism after 2007 especially you know i after 2006 as well losing the finals i i never felt like that was as deserved you know he was he was actually quite good outside of a couple missed shots you know one one huge free throw and you know, but he had he had some great moments down the stretch in, in the 2006 finals that they lost. But uh, 2007 certainly was a was a bad series for him and a awful moment for the Mavericks. And um, you know that that stuck with them for a couple seasons. I, I feel like, especially as as basket blogging became. You know, as built up and and you know all all the uh, Twitter Twitter came around in 2009 or 2000, 2009 I think and you know there was definitely a groundswell of appreciation for Dirk in the uh, in the couple years leading up to up to the championship. But you know I, I think it was 2011 that on a on a national stage, you know he became you know the icon he is and and the the guy who was you know absolutely totally respected by everyone so
2: sort of begs the question what happens and I, I know you don't want to imagine this but what happens if they don't win in 2011 like what does that mean I've I've always been fascinated by that question because um he's already he's on a level right now that guys like Carmelone were on and Carmelone obviously didn't win the title so what what would we think about Dirk if they didn't win is sort of would he still be this cult hero? Like, and and from his perspective, would he? It feels like he's really relaxed over the last few years. Like, would he still be that relaxed? Would he still be the same person?
1: He wouldn't. No. Um, you know, they've they've obviously lost. You know, they've, they've been they've been low playoffs teams for five years, six years, um, since since the championship. But having having that championship, having that ring. Uh, has has smoothed over a lot of the bad feelings that would have otherwise come from that. So, um, uh, he's he's not con- confrontational, but you know he he definitely would be. He would probably this season, you know, be be on his Lakers tour like like Malone did uh, at, at the end of his career to try to get that championship. Um, there's a I, I feel like there's a good chance he would be he would be in Cleveland or or Golden State or, or whatever team would take him. Um, so. Uh, there's 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 no doubt he wanted he wanted a ring before uh before he hung it up because he is he is as competitive like his competitive because he's because he's a little bit quieter um and, you know not a not a sh- flashy guy uh you know his, his competitiveness sometimes gets underplayed but he is he wants like like his work ethic comes directly from wanting to win so badly um and you know, if if you if you spend enough time listening to the things he says, then then you you can you can really hear just like how much that matters to him. Yeah,
0: and it looks like he's having you know a lot of fun this season, and I think I think part of that is um, Nelson and, and and you know Cuban to a lesser extent, um, you know, providing the right tools to. You know, elongate his career in in a way that he wants to continue to play. He's not retiring after this year. He committed to playing again next year, right? Um, And that's that's interesting. I think he might see there being like a a light here. Uh, A quick caveat: his wife uh, Jessica Olson, uh, uh, her brother is a. been one of the most inspiring players uh, at the transfer window for Swansea, my, my favorite <laughs> soccer team. So uh, That's right. shout out to that. Dirk does uh, and has tweeted out a picture in a Swansea jersey supporting Martin, his, uh, his brother-in-law. Right. So I love that. Could not love that more. And I know that Dirk's a huge soccer fan, too obviously yeah. but um I yeah, wanted to ask, you had to find a way to wedge, I the had soccer to wedge team that and... there. obviously that wasn't even like a smooth segue i had to like no. articulate the whole thing um but uh tim i wanted to ask you what you think about the youth movement uh actually it's not even a youth movement it's just an interestingly built team that i think before the podcast you mentioned that they kind of backed into but now looks pretty formidable uh so tell me about the current mavericks right now and and why the uh, and why the shaking in their uh, in their trousers, Golden State Warriors, uh, might fear playing them should the Mavericks make it into the eight seed, and assuming the Warriors keep the one, which is not a fair assumption right
2: now. <laughs> yeah,
1: I I uh, I wouldn't be if I was the Warriors. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> not too worried about about that. But it's however, you know, you know, there there's this team is is fascinating and, and the way they've turned it around um, since DeAndre. If you if you go back to DeAndre and look at the roster. Mm-hmm. And look at you know how little was there and how bare everything was, and to look at it now where they they finished a they finished a game recently with a lineup you know a close game, with a lineup with where every player was under 26 I believe, <laughs> uh, so Seth Curry being the uh, the oldest person on the floor, um, so so it's it's incredible how how they've hit on on the uh, on the mid level. Uh, not not the mid level, but the you know mid range free agents, and uh, you know they they got they kind of backed into Yogi Ferrell. Nobody knew he was going to be this good. Um, and again, you know he's he's at most a uh, probably a backup point guard. So he's it, your TJ not... McConnell, exactly, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, it's barely TJ
2: McConnell. Well, maybe not. I I think they're pretty pretty close.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I might actually take TJ, but but yeah, there okay. that's, that's right, a fine. similar that's a similar player um but but yeah getting getting uh nerlands noel for for next to nothing you know finding Harrison Barnes and you know they're also surprised by how good he's been um so so it's not you know 100% skill but they thought he'd be good and he has been good um you know and then Seth Curry was their best signing last summer um uh, he has been since since he moved into the starting lineup he has been uh, sensational and uh I don't have his stats in front of me but it's you know he's shooting He's, he, because, of, in part because of Steph's, uh, Steph Curry's slumping, but, you know, he's been shooting better than his brother, arguably, you know, not, not taking the volume, but for, for a couple weeks, he's been better than his brother. And that's not really fair. Uh, obviously. Oh, Seth, come
2: on. No, it's totally fair. You know, this is a fair sample size. Seth, Seth is better than Steph. That's, yep. that's the bottom line. Steph is, uh, riding Kevin Durant's coattails. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, the unfair part is probably that, that, uh, Seth always gets compared to stuff and, you know, there's nothing, you know, that's always going to happen. But, you so know, it happens is, when
2: you're is, the bro- when you're brothers. Yep.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> uh, I mean, no, no doubt. No doubt. Um, but but yeah, he's he's been he's been no, by far their their best signing and their their biggest pickup and um, or most impactful pickup for what they got him at at uh, two years. Six million. Oh, Just man. incredible. He's going to make deal. three million again next year. So, yeah,
2: what yeah are the I don't, Kings I don't doing there? I Just so bizarre, I guess they say they he wanted to leave, but when you're right. at
0: Ty Lawson, you don't need uh, a young good shooter who's smart, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i I, I guess not, I don't know, that's a weird yeah. one, Tim, you're right though, man, his past ten games he's averaging twenty, he's shooting fifty five percent, you know that's that's exceptional, and he also has that same i mean look it. We're going to keep comparing them because they're brothers. But yeah, like I, yeah. he's definitely picked up parts of his game. I I watched, and this is the irony of these brothers, right? Is that we got to see Steph Curry in glimpses that pertain to what ESPN would show of Davidson and uh, one incredible tournament, right? And what we've seen from from uh, Seth Curry was you're on ESPN. 40 times in your in your college career. You play for Duke. You play for the high profile. So we got to watch him play a lot, and, and, and I think we all got a pretty good view of a relatively unathletic, non-shot-creating, you know, mid-range jump shooting, nothing you could take to the whole guard. Tweener, too, not a point guard or a two guard. The player that he is now, which is like creative, going to the basket with scoops, really good at using the high pick and roll, which obviously that's, you know, a staple of the Mavericks offense, and now they've got... Probably two of the most dynamic, in different ways, pick and roll options with Noel for lobs and Dirk for the pop. Um, it's it's an interesting way uh, team to watch this guy's skill set mature as well as find the right situation, um, which he's definitely in. And you mentioned Yogi Ferrell too. <clears throat> well, how did Yogi make it to the to the Mavs? Was that D League? Well, it was thanks to the Nets who didn't keep him, uh, right. The Nets cut him. Okay, God, yeah. The Mavericks
1: the Mavericks brought him in on a ten day. And then I believe it was like day five of his ten day that, um, day day six something like that when when he had that 33, 30, 32 point explosion against Portland, uh, tied a tied a rookie record.
2: It must be nice going uh, against Damian Lillard right yeah. before you get out. You're not What's... wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, I think Ben, you make a really good point about Seth, though. Is mm-hmm. that and this is a, what speaks to what Dallas has done well is they have a style of play. Like I don't think a lot of teams would have embraced St- Seth playing off the ball like he has with his size. Yep. But in Dallas, that's kind of how Rick Carlisle rolls. It's not an accident, I think, that they started to play really well once they went small. Mm-hmm. And Noel, like you said, is just a perfect role-man fit. I mean, he's like Brandon Wright on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so, I think that's a big factor, and it's going to be interesting to see how that affects their free
0: agent decisions going forward. We yeah, didn't mean, even right. mention, too, like... Uh, Look, Wes Matthews and Harrison Barnes as your three-four per se is really good. Yeah, those are good defensive players. They're athletic. They can guard up. They can guard down. And look, I, yeah, I mean, worse I, are I, I wanted there. to get around to it, and I knew that Wes Matthews is going to be the way to talk about this. But Tim, you might not know this, but one year ago today, I blew out my Achilles. Ah, yes, and uh, I am now just getting like explosiveness. You know, because I was a very explosive athlete prior mm-hmm. to my injury. Uh, yeah, I'm kidding. You were, and, uh, and now. But honestly, like that confidence and just the the state of mind to not think about it is something that takes time. And now Wes Matthews is much more removed from that injury, and you're seeing him play much better, too. Back to the same defensive intensity and obviously the legs underneath of his shot. Um, but it, it blows my mind how quickly some of these NBA players have come back from Achilles injuries, and then you watch some guys who, who are a little bit more maligned when it takes some more time because it's supposed to. It's supposed to take a long time. Uh, so I'm I'm really happy, proud uh, of uh, Wes as uh, we have both suffered through. The is this same like injury. a brotherhood? Like this? Um, it is. Like, do you guys have secret meetings of the yeah. Achilles rupture? Yeah, me, group? Kobe, Wes. Dominique, Chalmers, we all meet up, we hang out. What's Kobe did, like? Yeah, uh, he's nice, you know. He, he speaks Italian, uh, and Dominique and I uh, speak French together. Yeah. and uh, <laughs> You uh, do. Okay, yeah, that's right. Very that's cool. Right. No, all we right, don't. Well, we don't but, I, I, how do I get – I guess
2: I have to rush for my Achilles to get yeah, into this club. There's only one be, way
0: into this club, and it hurts a lot. Um, it might be good for the journalists, <laughs> journalism career. <laughs> and now you know what it feels like. But uh, <laughs> cool. Tim, tell me real quick, you think Dallas is going to make the uh, playoffs? I don't.
1: I've been saying it for a while. I I don't think they quite make it, but I don't know. On the other hand, they've been playing so good. It's just I, I, I do I definitely think it'd be better if they had if if they lose a lot of one point games and end up with a with a pick that can get them one more one more young talented player. But you know, they're if if they win with young people, then what what more can you do? They can't intentionally lose games, so they're doing the best they can. They traded their veterans away, so like there's no other option. You know, they're. You know, unless you want to actively lose games, and that's not the right answer. So they're only one point five
0: out. What's up? Yeah. yeah, yeah, game and a half out. Yeah, and and like you can look at it like you just. You just got another really good young piece to the puzzle in Noel, so that can maybe mitigate that need. But I I do hear what you're saying uh, about maybe being the smarter move to be in there in the lottery. But uh, the nice thing is because Brian Colangelo can negotiate uh, like a toddler, there's no chance you're going to be giving up your first-round pick this year to the Sixers, so that's That's, good. Um, (laughs) That's still the most
2: bizarre first-round protection I've ever seen. Insane. it, there was no chance that they're going to be one of the twelve best teams in the league this year when they made the trade. No chance, none. Why even like bother to attach top eighteen protected? I
0: never understood that. That's crazy. <laughs> Did he really just want to make it seem like he got a first round pick for Noel? Yeah, probably. And then he he what he uh, didn't factor in was that. Uh, the entire city of Philadelphia is unbelievably savvy right now when it comes to things like pick protection because we've been <sighs> trained by our former general manager to look for these things. So, it's just bizarre. Yeah. Do you have any insight
2: into why, like, they made that top 18? I'm sure you don't, but Tim, like, but what that, – that is the most bizarre thing I've ever – one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in this sport.
1: <sighs> I, I never really heard why why it worked out like that. That's probably a Philadelphia thing. Um, but But <laughs> – from from to to know you know to to be in Philly to to figure that out. Yeah, it's just. Um, I don't know. It was it was funny how it came out though. Where yes,
0: that's originally
1: the, uh, they they started by saying first round pick, and then I think Zach Lowe about ten minutes later reported that it was two second rounders or reported the protection. So and I was I loved I was like this is a great deal, and then we you learn about the protections and you're like oh it just got better
0: yeah an Incredible deal. It was probably one of those uh Eddie Murphy stand up things where he talked about meeting Mr. T. He's like, <laughs> Mr. T was mad at him for making fun of him. He's like, hey, Mr. Eddie Murphy, I heard you've been cracking it's- some jokes about me. He's like, No, I didn't. Maybe you didn't. It's probably one of those things where like yeah. Colangelo was like, I need, I need, uh, 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 it's gonna can only be lottery protection. And then, and then Nelson was like, Top 18 is lottery. He's like, Okay even
2: though it's not. <laughs> so you don't think, you don't think no. Brian Colangelo knows how the lottery works?
1: <laughs> Maybe the, the one, one of the things or one of the few things I did do for Mavs uh, Moneyball in the past few months was write a post arguing that if they could trade Seth Curry for Noel, they should do it. And <laughs> wow. then ending it with, well, Philadelphia probably wouldn't do that. Oh, God. So, <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Um, by the way, I'm going to just say right now, I think uh, Minnesota is two and a half games out. I'm going to what are the odds that they make the eight seed? Because I'm taking them. Mm. Probably pretty good. I mean, yeah, they've been playing much, much better lately. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, I, I think Denver is really bad Minnesota Minnesota's
0: also the weird team who's like a net zero on the year. Like, or, right. Or, so
2: they they should be better than their record. Right. And now they're playing like it. Right, right. Um, that's right. Anyway, that's an aside. Uh, you got anything else? Nope. What do you think? You think uh, the Warriors are doomed? I thought it was bizarre. Like, it's kind of weird how they can't score anymore.
1: Yeah. That's odd, but I don't know. I just I've seen weirder things. They've 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 made finals runs for two straight seasons. I don't you know, I, th- I think I think they have they're a different team in the postseason. They can, they can be a better team.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. I think every like,
1: night Like th- they're it's like they can just like be. They can turn it on. Like I don't I don't think that I don't think that uh the, the slump is permanent or anything they couldn't fix if they were really trying.
2: I don't know. I at least got my eyes perked up. Ooh. All right. I'm just saying, like, Durant's not just going to come back and waltz right into being Durant. Right. right. That's all. I got right. my eyes perked up a little I'll bit. I'll
0: say this it should make everyone value and respect, and I hate to bring it back to LeBron, but, like, just see what he does every single year with the maximum playoff games tacked on to the end of every regular season. And then just we expect him to just run it back the next season and do the same thing again. And now you're seeing the Warriors on the third year of the long run and, and guys look tired and you're seeing consistent two for nine nights out of Steph from three and it looks funny because there's an expectation that we've set but maybe that's a, a course correction happening slightly at the moment but I think I tend to agree with Tim I think they'll probably turn it on in the big way when the, when the playoffs start however if that comes from the two seed in the West then you know Anything can happen. Um, a 2-3 matchup with Houston would be kind of crazy to then have to play a team like the Spurs, who are so different. So it'll definitely uh, test the championship medal uh, of the Warriors. Man, we look forward to kind of seeing how that, that plays out. Um, I don't really have much else on the docket here other than the eight, the, uh, uh, the competition for the eight seeds in both conferences is going to be kind of interesting. Miami, man.
2: Miami yeah. is, is going to get the six seed. The six seed, Miami, right? Miami um, Miami's surging. Miami is as long as we're delivering uh, hot takes. I'm going to deliver that one. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, that's not even. They're two and a half out of the six seed. Yeah. Yeah. And right. the Pacers are just geeking to give that up. Detroit and Chicago are both terrible. Chicago lost a miserable game last night. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was pretty bad. Are they, they really. Uh, I don't know. Ricky will be in here next week. We'll talk a little bit about the Bulls. I'm sure. Um, cool. Tim, thanks for coming on, man. Um, always appreciated. I know. I know. We kind of just like. Mike throws this on you midday and it's like, hey, come on, join our podcast whenever it works best for us. What are you so talking about? We appreciate very, very well planned
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to go uh, enjoy my house, yes. being home for a yeah. little bit here.
0: Yeah, go sit on your counter in your kitchen and sleep in your own bed and and all that good stuff and pee mm-hmm. on your own toilet seat if you want. Hey, all right. What? All right. And uh, <laughs> all right. Cool. I told you that in secret. I told you that. Why would you pee on your own toilet seat? Oh, it makes no sense. Why would you pee on any toilet seat? Okay, but uh, <laughs> I mean, that's what the hotel's for. But <laughs> oh my god, you guys! <laughs> did you say the hotel towels? Okay, forget it. Um, on that note, Mike, thanks as always for joining me. This time. In person, man. Look at us sitting in a studio together. I don't care that it's nighttime. Until next time, everybody. This is the Limited Upside Podcast.